This is John Flannery, your host. Welcome to our podcast, Let Freedom Ring. No more appropriate name could I imagine than that in these troubled days. I stand here knowing that my story is part of the larger American story. Our nation is about equality and opportunity for everyone. I think there's blame on both sides. Of course, there is dissent, because not everyone agrees, nor is everyone worthy of our democracy. We are in a battle to restore the soul of our nation. The answer is to rely on you. Not a time of life, but a state of mind. A temper of the will. A quality of imagination. A predominance of courage over timidity. Of the appetite for adventure over the love of the East. It's difficult because it never seems to let up. We always seem to have to work. We must have the resolve to press on. Others have. I know you're asking today, how long will it take? However difficult the moment, yes, sir. however frustrating the hour, it will not be long because true pressure will rise again. In these times when our nation is at risk, let's talk about how we restore the republic and let freedom ring once again. Stay tuned. The people demand that our leaders act, not talk, but act. However, our public dialogue, especially among Republicans, but not exclusively, seems to have as its objective, who can tell the best lie the longest? The most obvious example, of course, is Trump declaring that he won a presidential election last November that he lost very badly, indeed beaten like a drum. This lie led to an insurrection that sought by violence to overthrow our democracy. This was Trump's plan B, when he couldn't get his vice president, Pence, to cheat on the count of those electors who chose Biden and not Trump. Fortunately, the insurrection, the coup failed, but the threat of more riotous behavior hangs over our government. Trump associates who prefer an autocracy and seek to undermine democratic principles are waiting to pounce again. Our several government departments seem entirely unable, impotent, if you will, to demand a reckoning for these traitors, to bring them forward, to sanction them, to punish them, to convict them. First of all, we have our so-called Justice Department. It watches and fails to act to investigate or prosecute the known enemies of the people. 
Even as I say this, A.G. Garland still can't muster the will to hold Steve Bannon in contempt for telling the House Select Committee on the insurrection, hey guys, I'm not complying, pound sand. Another department, our courts, after so much carefully chosen, ideological conservative nominees, pushed forward by former Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, has cost the courts the trust they need to have their decisions respected. The first big lie that Trump won when he didn't has been the cornerstone for the several Republican state legislatures suppressing the vote by highly questionable and unconstitutional strictures. The objective is to write rules that are outcome determinative, and the outcome that the Republicans favor has everything to do with the midterm congressional elections in 2022 and the presidential election in 2024. The rallying cry is they're passing this oppressive legislation to defeat corruption in elections, when no corruption has been proven, not in the courts, not in audits, nor in the Electoral College. The truth is they believe and have for some time that they can't win unless they cheat. And one of those ways is to suppress the vote. Another is to tell lies. There are so many other lies, especially one that challenges the public health. Lying about a vaccine that protects our citizens. Another is to claim that our schools seek to run down our government and make our children feel guilty for past discrimination they had nothing to do with. The Republicans have created certain special moralities that have as their purpose the manipulation of the voting public. In other words, a special kind of lie. William Butler Yeats was a, a grand poet, a playwright, and gifted prose writer who spoke through mythic symbol systems and immersed himself in the Irish troubles. Yeats summed up his view of literature, and it has a bearing on our present circumstance. He said, I believe that literature is the principal voice of the conscience and that it is its duty age after age to affirm its morality against the special moralities of clergymen and churches and of kings and parliaments and peoples. He said, I have no doubt a wise ecclesiastic if his courage equaled his wisdom would be a better censor than a mob. But I think it better to fight the mob alone than to seek for a support one could only get by what would seem to me a compromise of principle. We have today an array of special moralities, as Yeats called the practice, that seek to compromise our higher principles. And they're having some success. And I'm not just talking about this recent Virginia election. When we have a fair election, but the losers say it was unfair, then our founding democratic principle suffers and the effect is a turn toward risk and chaos in the stability of the government. Prize-winning historian Arthur Schlesinger, who I was lucky to get to know, he anticipated our challenges in a small book called The Disuniting of America, particularly the toxic and desperate disquiet among white supremacists and what did they fear? They feared the rising flow of non-European immigrants creating a minority majority, threatening to make Eurocentrism obsolete by the 21st century. This is still with us. 
Go back to Charlottesville. It may be the ground of this recent movement's beginning. We saw it in the recent Virginia elections when the gubernatorial candidate claimed that we shouldn't be teaching our children about slavery or protest or the racism that challenged our nation to redress the inequality. Of course not. No white supremacist will admit we had or that we have a problem or that we've struggled to perfect our union to fulfill the promise of our first legal document, the Declaration of Independence, including the promise heard round the world that we are all created. That is, e pluribus union. We are one from many. Among the special moralities are the ever more political churches seeking to influence elections and gain secular power rather than follow the Sermon on the Mount. And rather than affirming morality, they prefer to perpetuate amorality. These political and thus faux churches dominate and instruct their obedient faithful to hate and fear those who are different. It happened in this recent election. There's a, there's a local church cornerstone. It's jam-packed every Sunday, and they are taught to hate. And you can check it yourself. You can go online and listen to the sermons. Jefferson said a nation that expects to be ignorant and free expects what never was and never will be. Well, we now have data points that show that that's true. Many years ago, I, I played a CB in a Broadway musical, off-Broadway musical, <laughs> played by local, local guys, called South Pacific. One poignant song that I heard over and over because of rehearsals said, you have to be taught to hate and fear. You have to be carefully taught. That's the instructions that the, the Republicans embrace. No nation of conscience can tolerate such instruction or rhetoric. Certainly not one that promised otherwise at the founding of this nation's independence. We have other moralities. We have the temples of finance, big business that measure their existence by the margin of profit and churlishly resist sharing in the earned riches with the workers whose increased productivity made their profits possible. As a result, these workers suffer an unfair shortfall and savings that they could have used during the pandemic. Our elected representatives also take care of themselves, making decisions to favor their re-election disproportionately to the contrary responsibilities they have for bills and legislation and their oath of office to preserve and protect the, the Constitution. But for many, there is little else beyond surviving again for another election. No elected official is without blame, and it is in the mind of every elected official. They may talk about making a difference, but they come up short. There are sensational exceptions to this rule. But it is no mistake that JFK's book, Profiles in Courage, is such a thin book. In Luke it said that Jesus cursed those who placed a burden on others without lifting a finger to lighten the load. The burdens abound. Relief is too little and too late when there's any at all. There are our courts. We have many judges who take to heart their obligation to follow the Constitution and the law. We still do. But in the last administration, we had congressional leaders, including then-Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who installed questionable judicial officers, often dimly qualified, biased, and 
They were expected to overrule long-standing legal precedents like Roe v. Wade and others, favoring the ideological views of the Federalist Society that commended them in the first place. Associate Justice Stephen Breyer, one of my favorites, wrote in his book, Making Our Democracy Work, that the trust of the nation's citizens in the work of its highest court is critical, quote, even when the court's decisions are highly unpopular. Well, this trust is at risk. We have had several decisions about the unconstitutional narrowing, for example, of when a woman may have an abortion, according to the U.S. Supreme Court. The Texas bill said a woman may not have an abortion after six weeks, a time when a woman may not even know if she's pregnant. Roe v. Wade, by comparison, says 24 weeks. If you compare those two, plainly, the Texas bill is not in conformance with the constitutional precedent Roe v. Wade. Now, everybody's talked about, oh, they have extra provisions here. The Texas bill invites any person who wants a bounty to sue any woman for violating this provision, and what you can get, you can get $10,000 pay cut. But my argument is the test is whether or not there's state action for this unconstitutional action. Texas passed a statute. Texas makes this possible. Texas courts, its state courts, are going to fulfill this. And right now it's having a terrible chilling effect on, uh, well, people who want an abortion. The point is our trust has been compromised in our courts. Judge Learned Hand, a federal judge from New York, both in the trial court and leading the Second Circuit Appellate Court, where some long time ago I served as an appellate clerk, he made an historic speech in Central Park in 1944 on liberty. Before I went to Columbia Law School, this speech was one of the things they circulated to us on a reading list to read before our first year, before we were one L's at Columbia Law School. But this speech in Central Park, Judge Hand said the following, Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women. When it dies there, no constitution, no law, no court can even do much to help it. We, the people, are responsible to keep liberty alive. We, the people, are the ones who both support our government and our individual freedoms by doing so. There are forces in this nation that would destroy that liberty. They emanate almost entirely, maybe exclusively, from the Republican Party. The failure of the Democrats to join and refute this force endangers our democracy and our individual rights. Hand further asked, what is this liberty which must lie in the hearts of men and women? It is not the ruthless, the unbridled will. It is not freedom to do as one likes. Hand concluded, a society in which men recognize no check upon their freedom soon becomes a society where freedom is the possession of only a savage few. Well, we've seen more than a few savage, savages, especially since 2015. And that's not who we are as a nation, and that's not what makes a democracy, and that's not what preserves liberty. We must sanction and punish those who would destroy, destroy our democratic government. And that should begin with those who thought that a coup would allow them to destroy our democracy with their autocracy. And still, nothing happens. Albert Einstein wrote, institutions are in a moral sense impotent unless they are supported by the sense of responsibility of living individuals. 
Well, are the members of Congress and the Democratic Party living individuals? Well, we the people certainly are. And we've seen how when we press for them to act after the recent election and to do something about internal improvements, what it used to be called, infrastructure bill, it happened. It happened because we demanded it. We have to demand a reckoning. We have to demand that our liberties be defended, that the oath of office means something for Democrats. And whatever Republican is prepared to join that, because despite whatever ideology they may have, the one thing they know sure and true is that the Constitution matters. And without that, without democracy, without a Republican republic, we are nowhere. Justice Robert Jackson, who tried the Nuremberg cases, wrote, quote, we set up government by consent of the governed, and the Bill of Rights denies those in power any legal opportunity to coerce that consent. Authority here is to be controlled by public opinion, not public opinion by authority. But the big lie streak seeks to do just that, to control our opinion. Thomas Jefferson said, quote, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. There are those in government, in the Congress, and the several states who would coerce the consent of the government by suppressing the vote that opposes their governance, one form of tyranny in a democracy, and we know the others that exist. If we're to give voice to our conscience, if our leaders are going to lead that discussion, we must follow up with action. As our sense of things as they are implies, there has to be a better order. And it is our duty as citizens to stop what's compromising this nation and to continue the business of restoring our republic. Well begun by Biden, but he needs our help, and we have to give backbone to those who don't see it as clearly as we do. It's a messy business, but we can't continue to ignore the danger. We have to put the lies by Republicans where they belong in the trash bin of history. Still another example through history of the no-neck, know-nothing bigots who plague every democracy. And that's why to do nothing is not acceptable. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you another week from Sunday. Be well in the meantime. Bye-bye.
Freedom's light burning warm Freedom's light burning warm 